0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
1: It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing. The NRL tour. Back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast, same as last week again, uh, review of the round on the Monday and we'll be back Wednesday, time-wise pending on uh, work and what happens during the day to preview round 20 before things kick off, but Boxed, how was uh, another week in lockdown, how are you doing?
2: Uh, I have a first job on Saturday, so making progress I guess, but uh, it doesn't seem like a lot to Change in the short term, does it? So, we're, um, I'm not sure how many cases there were today. I don't know, but yeah, it seems to be well over 100, and a lot wandering around in the community. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what your thoughts are, but it's uh, yeah, it's a tough, tough time for small businesses and people around the state in general. I think.
1: Yeah, I think like everyone at the start, not going to get into a big thing because it's a dividing issue for a lot of people, but I've sort of just stopped listening to a lot of it because I think it is causing more harm than it is good between a lot of people. Um, There's ramifications in many different ways, like you said, businesses, mental health, uh, physical health, relationships, work, all sorts of things, but um, yeah, I think a big proponent of everything is media. Media's feeding off it, there's lots of negativity, there's lots of things that are blowing up and they really, really hold on to it. and I, I just don't see a lot of good coming from a lot of it, so I'm just trying to do the right thing and not listen to a lot of the media stuff because it's, frankly, just kind of kind of drains you after a while. Yeah, I, I felt pretty quick after the job actually.
2: Well, for about 24 to 48 hours I was, I was pretty dusty, but uh, I feel good now, sore arm. MG had his jab the same day, so we were sort of texting and touching base on how we were both feeling, but um, now I get my second one in six weeks, I think it is, so... Um, Yeah, pretty lucky, actually, because there's a lot of people older than me who have, I guess, not had it, so... Uh, I guess it's just a step towards, hopefully, a bit of normality anyway, so... Um... Yes, yeah, crazy, a crazy week in terms of uh, I guess the virus impacting on rugby league because we saw obviously the
3: World Cup is all going to get into that. But yeah, um, it's it's rear it's ugly head and having a, a pretty big impact.
2: And obviously the Happy Corrstown one as well, which will which will chat it out, chat it out. But more importantly, I just hope that everyone's all right, plugging away.
1: Yep, um, as we said last week at the end.
2: Keep
1: busy, eh? Yeah, same thing we said at the end of last week. Same thing we'll keep on saying. Uh, stay active, talk to your family, your friends if you're bored. Send an inbox. We don't always reply straight away, but happy to write back. And uh, yeah, just get through, I guess. But for now, let's jump in. Set of six, as you've just mentioned, anything we want to talk about, topics, opinions, players, whatever, for this week and tackle one. Um, it's been done to death. And again, the media narrative on it sort of slowed down a bit because they've gone from the Dragon situation, which dragged on for a week and plus, into Arrow, which was a couple of days, into Api Korosau, which got a little bit of a run, but uh, it seems like it's run its course. But after the Origin series, it's obviously came out that uh, Api has breached the bubble on two occasions by bringing in uh, a lady who was not his wife uh, to the Origin camp, which th- that in itself brings up another whole moral issue, which he's going to have to deal with. and. They issued a joint statement the other day and um, for his sake, it seems like for now she's going to work through things with him and they've got kids together. So uh, that's obviously pretty, uh, a pretty stressful time and pretty disappointing, I'm sure, on her end with the whole situation. But I guess for New South Wales and New South Wales Rugby League, uh, a bit of a, a bit of a return serve on the Queensland side of things. There was a lot thrown at them about their handling of everything through camps and the games and Moolig Talal and the arrow situation they've quite enjoyed it but uh, obviously a few jabs thrown back this week given the fact that there was two breaches on the New South Wales side yeah I think you've nailed it pretty much right that's horrendous for his wife it's disappointing I think for Brad Fiddler and the Blues really really disappointing
2: uh, I guess it just dumps on top of the game three result um, in terms of the bubble breach I think there's probably been others that have happened that we're not going to know about and others that may happen in the future that we're not going to know about. I think the players have just got to be very careful and just weigh up you know, whether they value their pay packet because I think Queensland and the Queensland government have said it's the last warning. Um, yeah, whether whether or not that's a hollow threat, well, I hope we don't find out because I think it's just as important to The Queensland government, you know, they're going to
1: be making, I would imagine, some pretty good money out of having the NRL there and being able to stage all those games. I was going to say, when uh, the Queensland Health Officer said that the other day about the families and passing stuff between balconies, etc., I was kind of confused, because from the way I've taken it going up there as well, they're sharing the same floor and they get time to go out together for meals and whatnot. So I'm not defending what they're doing, but also kind of touch on the same point you did when I watched that. Like I'm I'm very close, I'm very close, I'm thinking with the amount of money what they're bringing in the economy, I highly doubt something like that's going to be a reason but Isn't it like come this week, they're fine to move around the community, are they? The NRL players? Well I think from what every player sort of said, they haven't been clarified hundred percent, but the way they've had it explained to them so far, um, is that yeah, basically they'd be to the similar rules of the community. I highly doubt Uh, The NRL and the clubs would be in a stage Where they'd honestly let them just go out Freely Um, I'm sure they'll organise Golf and beach days and whatnot To give them a bit more life balance which is a positive But yeah I'm pretty sure The way it's been explained to a lot of them And I've heard a few on radio this week Is that uh, they'll basically be Adhering to the same rules There you go So a positive for them But yeah the families I think have still got another week to go Um, But, yeah, the Coruscant situation, like I said, hasn't really seemed to have carried as much weight in the media because they've flogged a dead horse with the Dragons, a little bit with Arrow. Now this is the third one that's come out a little bit afterwards. But, yeah, probably more what you said, a bit of a reality check for New South Wales in the end who really, really enjoyed throwing uh, a bit the other way. And rightfully so, after a decade of disappointment and having a lot of Queenslanders and Queensland media and everyone Talk a lot about New South Wales culture, selections, this, that, and the other. They've thrown a bit of shade back with the last few years, where they've obviously had some good results. But on Arpy's side of things, I think yeah, the person I feel most sorry for is his wife. Um, not an ideal situation. And then the Panthers' secondary, your club is the one who ends up copping the effect yeah, of it. They,
2: the,
3: they, the two weeks.
1: they lose him for two weeks. They're already missing Nathan. Fisher Harris has just left the bubble to go back for the birth of his child. And it was certainly apparent on the weekend without him there what a difference it makes when you've got a nine that has to be accounted for around the ruck and can manipulate both markers. A defenders sort of have to keep their eyes on Coruscant. what was Kenny, um, real solid player, but there's no accountability realistically that he's much of an attacking threat, which struggled, uh, their, stifled their attack. They struggled a bit more on yardage and with their, their forward carries. So unfortunately, yeah, just another uh, black eye in terms of players not following the rules and hopefully that's the last of it, but done by him, two-game ban, $35,000 out of pocket and uh, a very unhappy wife and risking, I guess, his future with her and their family situation. So for him, for now, like I said, it seems like they're going to try and work through things. But yeah, I think all in all, that that's the biggest thing to come from this for him and... Uh, see what happens, I guess. Yeah.
2: Just sucks, but... Yeah, sucks while involved. It's no good.
1: Yeah. Tackle two. The Cronulla Sharks and their recruitment and retention, it continues. And Dale Finucan, we talked about it last week. Ideal situations, Sharks, Newcastle, are sort of the two that we landed on. Pending, uh, you know, sort of money terms, what they're going to do with other players, but Cronulla have come through and pulled the deal off it's reported four years 2.5 million and a little bit more detail for a lot of people that are wondering you know the way he plays the injuries he's had recently as to how you go offering big money for three to four years I think it's been talked about today that apparently it's a heavily front ended contract so I guess if things were to go pear shaped year three or four there's a possibility they might be able to cut tyres for a little bit less or a payout or I don't know I think that might be what they're angling at but uh, the recruitment drive continues. They've got Hines, as we know, from Melbourne. McInnes was signed before the whole Josh Morris thing happened. They retained Tracy, Kennedy, Rudolph, Talakai, Trindle. Um, looking at their lineup, when a lot of people are saying it should be a good lineup next year, I, I, like they're definitely making some positive strides. But I guess in this, and especially the half situation, they've just retained Moylan as well. I don't know who's a genuine number seven. You've got. Hines, who came through playing six, who's more so playing, you know, second fiddle at fullback and pick and choose in his moments. But if it's him and Moylan, you know, they're probably going to be playing an edge each. I'm sure they'll link up. But who's going to be the dominant seven? Who's got the kicking game to steer and control? They've obviously kept Trindle as well. Trindle has come through the grades playing as a seven. Good attacking player. But with those two there, does he get much of a look in? Tracy's also a half, but again, another ball runner more. Of an attacking player I'm more interested to see How the halves dynamic works out And then a lot of people Obviously questioned Much like we did They bought McInnes to play lock Braley's there nine Does this mean Finucane Essentially plays front row Which in the new rules The way things have gone He's played there at origin Your middles are are quite similar I'm guessing that's the way They're going to play But um, overall They've kind of swapped out Some bad deals And got some players in And retained quite well I guess the big two question marks Moving forward is there was talk about Dugan potentially being retained on a cut price deal trying to get Chambers again on a low deal um, and then you've got concerns over Wade Graham who's had a couple of head knocks on big money and Andrew Fafita, they tried to move that deal this year worth about $800,000, he has got one year to go he's got no obligation to go anywhere um, he could sit in cup and collect which is his right because they've given him the contract but what, what do you think about the moves they've made? It's obviously heading towards more of a top 8 uh, side for next year
2: well, they're close to a top eight side now, so yeah. Look, I, I think I think it's a good move, but yeah, I don't know what he. It's four years, maybe a year too long. It's uh, it's a hard one. I think the impact he's going to have on their culture is going to be really, really good. He's going to stiffen them up in the middle. I think the hole still remains where you've identified in the halves so that's that's really the one area they've got to
1: they've got to address so Andrew for feeder like that knee just doesn't look right he just hasn't looked the same player has he so mm. yeah
2: it'll, it will be uh, it will be interesting
1: unless they can find but a yeah, way I think
2: all in all um, good signing I, I think
1: Yeah, I like their side. Um, I also look at back row again. We talk about Wade Graham, his future, those head knocks. They've got Nakora, who's sort of been in and out form-wise. You've got Talakai, who's awfully powerful, but defensively can be caught out at times. Wilton is only young, showed some good signs, so at least they've got some options there. But yeah, I'm sure in particular they'd want to know Graham's status next year health-wise, and then the big one is for Like They could try and medically retire him, but if he doesn't want to retire and he wants to play and they can't move him anywhere and no one's willing to take the contract, well, they're essentially just got to sit on that 800000 So, Yeah, um, that's right. Overall, they're pulling together a nice side. And same deal, like I said, about the halves. Like A lot of those guys are more fullback six players. You've already got Kennedy who they've re-signed as well, who's obviously going to be the number one. So the rule change is probably, I don't know, lean towards not needing as much, I guess, a game-controlling dominant seven kicking game with the wrestle era Sort of out of the equation now But I'm just more interested To see what way they go Like if it is Moylan Hines first of all Like someone still has to be The more dominant of the two Take control of the kicking I don't really think For what they've got there They're going to have lots of power Lots of offload Footwork Be dynamic But I'm just Yeah Wondering who's going to take that role To really steer the ship And be the dominant kicker That's all Yeah I get it Yeah So Building nicely And still plenty of moves to go They've still got 8 or 9 guys Off contract And some decisions to make But uh, another win for Cronulla fans, and I'm sure they're happy with that announcement yesterday.
3: Yeah, exactly.
1: Tackle three. The Parramatta Eels fans, probably not as happy. Um, we get to the back end of the season again and see a little bit of a wobble the other night. Obviously missing Moses and in a, a very, very tough contest against the Raiders, but their run home is dreadful. And that loss and the Roosters getting a win the last couple of weeks has put them in a situation where their top four spot is now under duress. So they play the Roosters head-to-head this week. A loss would put them equal on points, but their for and against is better. But their run home, essentially, is all the finals teams. They get South the week after. Then they play Manly, who are obviously, again, in that Roosters position directly under. So if they were to lose back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, they could go all the way down as far as sixth. Um, and then they finish the year off again. No easier... Uh, the Cowboys who saw outside Of the eight And then they finished I'm pretty sure With a storm And then the Panthers Last round
2: <laughs> that's, that, that result The other night Is really throwing a cat amongst The pigeons Hasn't it In terms of the table Because we were We were looking At the table Going well It looks a pretty much Foregone conclusion But that's really Been flipped on its head um, And look They're just They're just not Playing well they were beyond ordinary the other night on Thursday night that they just played very one dimensional they really struggled to score points and if that's going to be the case and I sort of made the case for the Roosters last week not so much pushing in but I just get the feeling that they're starting to move past in particularly the Eels. like it's going to be interesting to see I'm not sure whether the Roosters run into in South in the run home but it would be interesting to see them play each other uh, but yeah I think Parramatta now they've, they've got some they, as you said they've got a tough run home they've got Mitchell Moses out all the chat is now going to be around well here we go again for Parramatta so
3: yeah, and I, I think I've sort of pushed this all year that I just I want to see them come the end of the season and, and that's arrived now so the only way for them to answer it is to is to play well at this time of the year that's, it's the only way they're going to get around it and in the short term
2: it looks like they're going to be without Moses so they're going to find a way I'm not sure Jacob Arthur's the answer maybe you know a Jordan Rankin or a Will Smith or someone like that might have provided a little bit more experience when they needed it the other night I mean they had the chance to win the game right on the buzzer if Steve Bow scores that try I guess we're probably not pushing or prodding as hard at Parramatta but the fact of the matter is they lost that game, They, they were totally outplayed I think for the majority of that game so yeah They've really got to start looking at You know How they're going to work their way through this Because every, every team's going to get injuries You can't just Blame the fact
1: that you've got Moses out You need to have good depth To win comps And be a top four side So It's, it's all on now for the, uh, the Eels mm. and, and essentially the finals have already started Because all these teams That are in this run coming up Are the ones they're going to have to beat So on. They're going to go through this rough patch here Where they're going to need to At least probably win half of them And then come week one Depending on where they fall, right now you can basically guarantee it's going to be between fourth and sixth. Um, if they fall out, yeah, they might get someone in the bottom end, uh, you know, who's not considered as tough a matchup. But then it's sudden death the whole way. So I'm, I'm sure they wouldn't want to run into, you know, say that Canberra again. If Canberra get on a bit of a run and get a couple of players back, or you know, if Newcastle somehow found their way in, which probably doesn't look likely at the moment without Pierce, but Cronulla, they may buy themselves a chance for a week, but the back end of that is they will play a Roosters off a loss or a South team off a loss or Melbourne or Penrith if one of those guys gets rolled and then if they do hold on to fourth but do have a rough run in after finishing the season with Storm or Panthers they're likely to play one of those teams week one as well exactly so there's no other way to address this than like you said they they've got to answer the bell they've got to find a way to score points they're got to find a way to be in these big games and close them out and and be the side that you know they've been building to be And I guess Moses definitely uh, Being out is part of a factor To do with kicking game and attack But at the same time the week before I thought they played a little bit more direct without him I thought the other night if anything It was more what you said Not, not a factor of not embracing the challenge in the middle But probably a little bit too one dimensional They've struggled to find that balance Sometimes they're too sideways The other night they were probably too one out and too direct um, They need to find somewhere in between yeah, they've just gotta stop looking for excuses, I think. Mm. Well that's that's their
3: biggest issue.
1: But Roosters this week, likely again, uh, no Moses, the Roosters obviously i gonna say the other one, like, sorry to interrupt. I think the, the other one is
2: the the loss against Penrith. You know, that that kick a goal, like if if that goal goes over, then they're, they're probably not you know, as 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 much under pressure as what they are now as well. So I know we um I know we was sort of gonna move past that game, but like if he nails that a kick, it's still a four point gap between the Roosters and, and Parramatta. So they've also let some opportunity slip in other games mm. which has the potential to come back and bottom as well.
1: Yeah. Well Roosters this week, Uh, they unfortunately suffered a couple of injuries after like we were talking about last week, started to find a bit more stability. So that's going to be interesting to see what they do because as far as troops that are available, who they took up to the bubble with them, I honestly don't know uh, who they've got left for outside backs. I looked the other day, they obviously dropped Morris for Billy Smith. That You assume Morris comes straight back in the centres, but with Ikevalu out, I don't think there's any other outside back options. So unless they're going to push say, an Adam Kieran, who's come to the grades playing six and center, which would also help them get, uh, you know, probably their best option at goal kicker, which has been an issue. Um, Do they trust him there and they push Morris out? Or you're not going to push Amano out to the wing at this stage in his career. He's too important. They're utilizing him now almost as a floating, you know, extra half or fullback. But if they don't go there, who they've taken up in terms of extras, possibly a Brad Abbey, who's been a bit of a journeyman from, New Zealand and now he's there at the Roosters playing at North Sydney full back wing type player I don't know if they took any of those young Kiwi twins the tour for Graham brothers but they're going to have to come up with something this week for that back line so I'm more interested to see the team list on Tuesday as to how they reshuffle because they're they're running out of outside backs
2: well big time man yeah, yeah. big time they're just running out of players full stop aren't they they're just like I don't know how they keep finding players and having players come in and Know,
1: do a, a competent job like they're not they're not brilliant but they're still doing their job. Mm. So, yeah, definitely going to be interesting. But I kind of was trying to just put through my head and said it the other week like the goal kicking doesn't seem as important when you're knocking off some of those lower sides. But if they're getting a, a tight tussle, um, if that's a way to get Kieran in at Morris at his age now, can you rely on him to have you know 15 yardage carries a game and happy him to go back and play like Brett? I think it's doable. If it gets Kieran in the team at centre and gets you a better goal kicker um, rather than debuting your a kid. Point.
2: That's a very good point
1: because just, they, they're really going to need quality goal kicking. Well, at the moment, they've gone through four or five guys and it's been horrendous. Like Tedesco, average, yeah, like Walker's beaten up and that's probably not helping as well. There's a lot more fatigue and pressure kicking at NRL level when you're a kid. Tockey's had injuries and in different form. They've got no one really to rely on. The only person, literally, who's been kicking well when he's had chances is Kieran. Um, So six and centre have been his two main spots If they can find a way to reshuffle uh, I think that might be the go Rather than throwing in an Abbey Or potentially one of these kids at this point But interesting to see what they come up with this week Uh, Tackle 4 The World Cup We talked about it a few weeks ago Uh, We we weren't arguing about it But we had different feelings I I thought it wouldn't go ahead Um, And at this point in time, they've obviously pushed through. The international committee, they're committed to having the game, but Australia and the Kiwis have both come out together and said they won't be t- participating. Uh, there's been a hell of a lot of back and forth reasons why, people arguing different cases. Uh, I can understand bits and pieces on both sides, but yeah, I, just, I don't know where this ends. They're now talking about the situation that if they're not going... Guys can represent second-tier nations. Uh, is there a way that clubs can stop them within their contracts? If people do really, really want to go, and there's a way that the clubs in the NRL try to stop them, is the RLPA going to be able to get involved? Uh, like, there's there's a lot of stuff going on right now.
2: I, I just think it's a weak decision. I, I don't think the players have been consulted at all. I think it's an NRL club decision. I understand why. I understand the health concerns. Uh, I, you know, I made the point a couple of weeks ago. I don't see the issue, like if every player that goes over is vaccinated, they're they're running European tours, there's teams, you know, we're going to the Olympics. So I don't I think I don't think that's an excuse. If if they want to sort of say, look, we don't want to put our players or our players don't want to go, I think if the players were given the choice and they said no, we don't want to go, I could live with it. But the fact that in the last few days, a lot of the players have come out and said, well, we want to go. And it seems like the governing body's just made that decision. From a club perspective, I get it. I get why they don't want them to go. I I understand that it's going to have an impact on the pre-season and it's going to give them a short run-up into next season. But we had that this year. We had that the year before uh, because we've had World Cups. We've had kangaroo tours. We've had you know tri-series. There's always international football at the end of the year. I don't understand why this is any different that, that's just my take on it I, I you know, I could live with it far more if the players just said we don't want to go and instead like there's too many Twitter GPs so I'm not interested in people jumping up and down about COVID and the medical risk like, we know we know there is a medical risk and we know there's a risk that
3: players could get the virus we know that that, that risk is much higher if they go to
2: England but if they're vaccinated and they make choices like, we want to go, they're going to be in a bubble. The RFL over there have said to every team that, you know, we're going to be able to keep you safe, we're going to be able to keep you in a bubble, we're going to be able to protect you. If all those protocols are in place, I don't see how it's any different to them playing a game in a bubble within Australia, playing an NRL game within a bubble. But again, that's just my opinion. People smarter than me, with more information than me, would you know, be able to give reasons why this decision's been made but from the outside looking in it just seems it's just been put in the too hard basket you know, I, I just don't think the players have been consulted so that, that's all sort of where I sit on it. Like, people can say oh yeah I told you it was going to be off and it's off. Like, okay. Great. But I, I, would, I would urge the RFL to push on and still have the World Cup. Because they've got a they've got a grant over in the UK at the moment from the government that they a twenty five million dollar grant the English game needs that and we can say you know who cares about European football as much as we as much as we want but it's important it's, it's, if we want to have an international game it's vitally important that we you know, do as much as we can to get the best product on the field and advertise that in the north of England. And I
3: think there's a World Cup going on next year, a Soccer World Cup going on next year. So there's an argument there from a lot of pe- people in the UK that
2: this is our best chance to get direct exposure. I think a lot of the games are going to be on the BBC. So there's a lot of incentives and a lot of reasons for this to go ahead and for us to push forward. But, you know, if they, if they say that the risks are too too high and they, they don't want to send our players and they're worried about them getting ill. And well, I, I can live with that, but I, I just... I do feel as though it's been a decision where the medical
1: reasoning has been used as the as the reason, but I don't think it is quite the whole reason. Yeah, I can see. But like I said, both sides, and no one's going to you know convince one another. There's been lots of back and forth, like you said, Twitter people going back and forth, Facebook. There's a I lot don't of think people it's about that because I, I don't think,
2: like I know, we fall on different sides here, but I don't even think it's about that. Like, we we don't we don't know what, what's going on inside all these discussions so i guess more will come out and like if the players really want to go i think they should really push hard to go
1: yeah well, i guess at the end of the day that'll come down to the players association and if they feel like they yeah. weren't you know consulted or the players are unhappy with it they're going to have to actually come out and voice their disdain not just have a couple of people with a throwaway comment, like, oh, I probably would have gone. Like, if they're really unhappy about it, then this is their time to step forward. But I also I also do say the other side, and I, Gus Gould in particular has been the one big advocate, and I've seen a few things he's put out, which I completely agree with, that it's rich of the UK to say that there's been nothing done by the NRL for the international game or, you know, football in, in general and rugby. Like, a lot of guys come from the NRL to go overseas to help – boost the league and kind of keep things alive and in terms of the ledger of the back and forth between World Club challenges, tours and whatnot, I think it would far outweigh the amount of times they've come here and we do it you know when they're a couple of weeks into their season someone disrupts their pre-season the World Club Challenge I think was 23 times to 4 they've been out here we've toured multiple times as compared to I think they've only been out here 2 or 3 times Uh, you know and in terms of like what they've contributed or what they're doing for International Rugby League and their own team like I don't know what they've got in place in terms of player development pathways and what they're doing for their own team because if anything the English sides that I used to see when we were teenagers compared to what we're seeing now uh, they're not stronger they've gone backwards I don't think that's wholly and solely relying on the international board and you know the, the English point the finger at the NRL and the Australian game they've got to look in a little bit in their own backyard as well and take some accountability about that but I'd love to see it go ahead in my comments a few podcasts to go about do not think it would go ahead is not me not wanting it to. I just thought for similar reasons what we're seeing now and all the vested interest, which, again, I'm completely neutral to, but clubs, the NRL, the last two years, players been in and out of bubbles, um, you know, the delayed season starting again, the late finish, in and out of bubbles again this year, travel, um, you know, and then the circumstance here where, if it, you know, you're assuming that Australia make the final, where I basically almost guarantee they make the final their eight-weeks mandated holidays, yes, they're able to cut it short, but if players do say, like, fuck it, the last two years have been gruelling, we're coming back, we've got two weeks quarantine, my eight-weeks runs all the way to mid-February, and the comp kicks off generally March, like, it's no pre-season. There's so many ramifications and, like we said, points. I I do think by by that time we
2: might see different protocols in place for people coming back if they've had both vaccines. Like, you hear the government at the moment just pushing Vaccine, 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 particularly in New South Wales, like where we live, it seems like the whole strategy now hasn't really gone on from even talking about how you can minimise transmission in the community. It's sort of like lock down, go out for essentials, but realistically, the avenue out is going to be vaccine. So let's say that the vaccine rate is fairly high come that time of the year. Maybe they don't have to do the, the quarantine if they you know, have, their, have their two vaccines... Yeah, it's hard to know what the situation yeah. will look like. There's,
1: there's too many variables.
2: Yeah, I, but from my point of view, I look at it and go, look, this may be the only time
1: these players get an opportunity to play for Australia at a World Cup. Yeah, I agree. So I think there's going to be some players dead keen on it. And I just,
2: I have an issue with administrators saying, no, it cannot happen or no, we will not go. Without consulting the players first, particularly when you see people going to the Olympics. You know, the Springboks and, and British and Irish Lions played their first test on the weekend. Yeah. There's a lot of tours going on. Australia are currently touring in the cricket. Um, but I'd I certainly get your, your stance on it as well. And there would be a lot of players, man. And this was the issue though, that, you know, a lot of people probably don't know. The biggest issue out of last year's Origin series is a lot of new South Wales players didn't want to go back in well, the bubble. Well, I said so it to you. That mindset, yeah.
1: Knowing a that few, mindset, knowing a few like, of the guys that guys I know. In a bubble, then
2: you just, I, I guess, okay. You go, well, uh, right, you, you guys don't want to go.
1: Sweet. Yeah. And mate,
2: discussions have happened behind closed doors. I, I don't know that.
1: But well, that's that's the other side. What Maybe. A really,
2: what I really, yeah, but well, well, you would hope if they have gone on that they would have been consistent and consistent in regards to what came out over the weekend because as soon as the
1: decision was made the players association and, and the players have come out so we want to go. Yeah well that's exactly my point like if there was something yeah. if there was something behind the scenes for the NRL to possibly sort of take the bullet along with New Zealand Rugby League and kind of put forward like it can't happen to you know curtail some of the players, you'd like to think that even if there was a couple that were a little bit disappointed they wouldn't come forward to make comment but end of the day 100%. like I said I'm not pro. I'm not anti. I just kind of thought this might I mean, be. Been... Me either. Yeah. I'm, I'm what's best. But
2: I'm, I'm more
1: not. Well, obviously, health is going to play. Health is going to be number one. And that was if more. It's possible on the to go. I'd like to see it happen. That's more. Why I thought it probably wouldn't go ahead because the whole climate there, regardless of vaccination, what they want in place, what lockdown looks like. If it is it both sides. Sort of, I just think there's so many variables and there's a lot of stuff we don't know. Um, but. The jives going backwards and forwards, like I said, I just find real petty. I get the English side of it, but at the same time, some of the barbs or some of the yeah, things that like have been... I think, but they're, they're sort of
2: thinking, well, we're putting a lot of work and more, a lot
1: financially at stake for that. Oh, I 100% agree. I but because we used to be the number one sport here. I think They are not the number one sport. On the flip side of it as well here, though, when they're just saying it's the NRL vested in the old NRL interest, well, like, no shit, Sherlock. They saved themselves from ruin last year as well and they're still fighting and they're paying out 10 to 15 million a month right now to keep the game going in Queensland so like if you don't think there's going to be vested interest after a lot of sports were under threat from COVID like I don't think that's rocket science to figure out no no, I agree with that I just think there's so much and everyone that's fighting over it I just think you're wasting your time because there's so many factors variables ins and outs to it all we'll have to wait and see what happens but at the moment the only way this
2: is going to change is if the players push
1: hard well that's what we're going to have to say At the moment There's nothing we really know uh, Unless we get A bit of player revolt Or we have something from the RPA And or the next level Is if those two are definitely not going When the second tier nations start pushing If Samoa Tonga And some of the guys That were eligible to play For Australia and New Zealand Go we want to go We'll wait and see What the clubs end up doing um, They've already had a couple of coaches Like yeah. Ricky Stewart's Supported his English players Been able to go home And obviously represent the country People were using Wayne Bennett as a reference yesterday. I'm like, well, that's a poor reference because he's not coaching South next year. So why would he give a fuck who goes? It's got no effect on him. He's not in charge anymore. So, of course, he's going to come out and support his players going over. Uh, Trent Robertson is involved with the French, so he's obviously going to be an advocate. But like I said, there's vested interest on both sides. I don't think anyone's right or wrong, um, but I think they would have been smarter to probably do a little bit more hopefully behind closed doors or we'd like to think there's a lot of conversations we haven't been privy to to the point that it's landed at the moment where it's pretty petty the way it's going back and forth. Yeah, agree. So let's see how it plays out with the second tier nations and if the players push back a little bit but for now uh, we'll leave that one behind. Player movement signings tackle five it's one of these things it's a bit later this year and we saw the window get pushed back I've seen a little bit of back and forth this week some people angry that Penrith picked up Pungai Jr but I'm like well if the window was still in the same spot it used to be would this be an issue or are we only more bothered now because it's been extended and it's getting closer to the finals and if Brisbane want to offload someone to front load for next year and they can pick up Pungai Jr I don't see the problem like that the rules are there that's the rules they could have applied to anyone if they wanted to sign him um it just so happens that they've got yeah. the money there and they've picked him up. I think people are
2: just a little bit... And I, I sort of had a little bit of back and forth with some people on you know, on Twitter and um, our page. Not friendly, friendly back and forth, but just in regards to... I, I just think people are comfortable because it's the first time it's happened. So I think
1: there's going to just be
2: some getting used
1: to... People move mid-season the all the time, probably... ...late in
2: the year, but I, I, I don't think it, it would be... I think it sparks interest so if it sparks interest and it can help the competition be more
1: interesting then I think I'm all for it and like you said I, I, Brisbane if I'm Brisbane now I'm trying to move Milford as well well they wanted that money money for next year like I'd, I'd be doing whatever
2: I can to move Milford or whoever else is going to be the next year that we could potentially move before August 1 to, to just free up cash
3: mm. and I, I heard and I heard some really really good arguments about from Brisbane fans
2: saying well it's just like we've given up and I guess
1: realistically You haven't given up But you've just got an eye on next year and you sort of They're forward they're, they make the
2: eight this year.
1: And you've got to look at it this way yeah, just, They've already can, got Can we gain, you know, as you said Tom We're going to lose, when, you know, we're
2: going to win Two out of our last eight games If we, you know Fleece our roster and move everyone on That we can Or we're going to win three games of the roster we've got But we're going to have two or three extra players next year you think most Brisbane fans had, had see a light and agree with it but, and it, but it, realistically it can't be dictated to by the fans like if you start listening to the fans the odds don't usually end up sitting with them so
1: like, I, I think this is going to be Ben Yulaka pushing it he seems a pretty good operator and like maybe oh. they can pick up just one or two more or even just free up some cash well, that's the whole point. You know, maybe make some purchases during next year. Yeah, I, I think it's a great move. For, they're they're front-loading for a reason. And it's really, like if they've got the money in the cup there, then you go, okay, well, Pengai you might not even play a game. You like, might come off the bench. You know, it might not work, but you're like, well, you might as well give it a go. But this is my he point. A
2: gun for hire, really, for the the last few months.
1: This has always been available. It's just been earlier. This is no different to any other year. Yes, he's a whole, prior, whole profile name, but you had us sitting here last week both saying we wouldn't it's make the move. Later. We, we wouldn't make the move. And the reason we said that is exactly what you just said. Everyone's talking about him like he's this bona fide superstar. Like, what's he really proven? He's proven fuck all. He's got uber talent. He's been in grade for six or seven years. He's never played a consistent full year. He hasn't played rep football. He's had off-field... Indiscretions. He's a liability to get suspended every two, three weeks. So if Penrith are willing to put their nuts on the table and get the hammer and roll the dice in their current situation and front-end some money that they could have pushed in next year, which they're going to need, mind you, because as I said last week, this is the risk for Penrith. Penrith are in a situation where more guys are coming off contract, they're going to have some hard decisions to make. Their window's open right now. So they've essentially told you what they're thinking. They're pushing all in. They're taking a risk with a guy that, yes, he is uber-talented, but don't put him up on this pedestal like he's some fucking superstar because he hasn't won a comp. He's barely proved anything, and he's proven to be a liability for the most part. So if they're willing to push in that money right now and try and front-load, uh, do this instead of front-load some contracts for next year and take some pressure off their salary cap, then all power to them because you're allowed to do so. Yeah. And it could bite them on the ass. I'm, I'm sort of neither neither way. Like i probably have done it. I look at their roster and go well if Cleary comes back and he's fit and they're starting
2: third air fit like I, I think they can win the comp no doubt about that like well could, could Tavita Pan possibly add some starch off the bench as a middle forward definitely definitely and you know what price you're paying for that in potential impact that has on next year's cap I don't know because we're not inside the four walls but that's obviously a rich reward that they've, they've weighed up but I think it probably goes back to the point that I made on last week's show that it's, they're in that window now. You so have to they're do making it. Decisions not only about next year, but they're making about making decisions about right now. And the gap they've got in their roster right now is they're missing one more really damaging middle forward off the bench. So if he can give them, you know, thirty quality minutes in big games, and particularly in this period now where Fish is going to go, I think he's out out now, and his wife's going to have
1: a bub. So. He might fill in for a little period, you know, over the next month, where they're going to have a bit of a shortage. By the time um, fish sort of goes and comes back and has to quarantine and all that sort of stuff, I get it, and I don't know what they're paid in terms of what that looks like in, in terms of next year's cap. That, well, that's all stuff that it's pro-rated. You're right. It's, it's a risk wars But I think when you're in a when you're in a Premiership window, you you've you got to try to it up and you go, okay, like a, yeah, like if this is going to help us potentially win it, then. Let's do it. And this is the other side to it. I saw a couple of people, and more surprisingly, one or two that call themselves credible journalists, saying, well, if Matt Eisenhuth now misses a grand final for that, well, that's unfortunate. That you know, That's just totally wrong. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't realise this was a fucking participation sport. and We're playing under eights and everyone has to get a run. Your job as the an NRL, NRL club... A job. They wouldn't be looking. Yeah. Your job as an NRL club is to win competitions. If there's an opportunity here to pick up a player... Like I said, risk and reward, most certainly, there's plenty there, that puts you in a better position to win rather than a few of the guys they have rotated off their bench. They owe nothing to anybody to give them an opportunity to play in a grand final. You don't get anything for free in the NRL. Clubs make moves to win competitions. Their window is, like we said, going to tighten next year again, and they've got some big decisions to make. So they've pushed all in here. And if you're a Penrith fan, are you really losing sleep? If you end up with a competition that Pungai Jr. took Matt Eisen to the spot or someone else's 15, 20 minutes off the bench, or are you happy you've won a competition? Okay, it'll all be forgotten. wouldn't it? Well, there's, there's a whole point to it. But I read that the other day and just thought that mentality there is some park football stuff. That's some under-sixes or under-10s that, it's oh, like, yeah, yeah. It's, there's no, right. this person deserves or this is like this should happen. Like Clubs are there to win competitions. Penrith are an opportunity right now after losing last year where they realise that they're going to have a good core group for a long time, but the turnover of having so many good players come through is you're going to be stripped of your depth and some of your talent. So no doubt they're going to be a top eight threat moving forward the next couple of years after this, but with Arpi, Edwards, Kikau, Momorowski, and multiple others, Laota coming off next year, they're all going to get upgraded. They're not going to be able to keep all of them again. The window is closing. So they've pushed all in, and, and I mean, I've got. Well, it's not closing. It's, it's moving not closing. shifting, and you've got to move with it, don't you? Like that's, what, that's what they're trying to do. And to move with it is to make decisions financially about who is going to give you the best performance for the right money. Yeah. That, that's simple as that. And they're going to be a long term threat. Yeah, who are you going to put on the field that's going to give you the best chance to win? That's, exactly. That's an NRL coach job. They'll be a long term threat, but the point is you strip out talent, it'll take another two or three years to probably push some kids through to go up in those places again to move well, back got money in. There. They've got plenty
3: there. Their cup side's flying.
1: They've yeah, got a the
2: lot, lot of depth there. They're going to be all right. But, yeah, like, with this current group, this is, yeah,
1: their best chance. Yeah, last year and this year, their two best chances. So, Definitely. they're pushing all Definitely. in. But other moves... I don't moves... think anyone would argue that. I don't think they're just going to see the bigger picture. And, you know, I don't underestimate the, you know, the journal, journalists trying to just get, a, I guess, an emotional reaction
2: as well. In well, that they, you know, oh, well, how... making it about you know someone deserves a spot, or you know the club somehow done wrong I think it's
1: just but you're bringing up like he's he's some emotional reaction it's you're in the business of winning competitions they're taking a risk here and pushing all in but yeah the other argument that this is some bonafide superstar player when he's had as much time suspended or been in trouble it's a risk it's a risk reward they've pushed in um, and we're going to see what happens right now but given their current situation I think it's the right move. I wouldn't have personally done it with a balance, but once they said Fish was going out, well, yeah, that, and the fact that they could have Martin, May, Lanu, and Pangai Jr. on your bench gives you the flexibility in particular with Martin and Pangai Jr. to have guys that can both play middle and edge, a dedicated guy and Lanu with great leg speed as a middle Um, you know Fisher's going to play his big minutes and then you've got May there who obviously covers hookers, halves, outside backs it's the best case scenario I think for Penrith so yeah Uh, other moves that have come off the back of that they've obviously freed up that money Brisbane as we said to front load for next year they were all in for Dane Gagai they've ended up missing out Newcastle got a three year deal done so he'll be heading back to Newcastle it's a three year deal Uh, in turn with that result do you agree with that, Sonny? I don't know what the money is, so that, I'd be more interested in that. But for Newcastle, with the outside backs, they've pushed through. Um, you know, Best, Stafford, Tuller, they've got a couple more coming through that system. I don't know if it would have gone hard for a 30-year-old representative player now. No. I think their money could be better spent uh, in other positions. But on top of that... They're now moving to lock Fitzgibbon in for two more years. They're going back to the table with Connor Watson this week who publicly basically said their offer wasn't good enough and he's been ringing up clubs and going around uh, trying to find somewhere else that they're coming back to the party. So it'll be interesting to see if they can get something done there. And they've also got the situation with David Clummer who there's some rumblings that he's unhappy. His minutes have gone down and he's still got a few years to go. So uh, that situation's one to keep your eye on from Newcastle. But yeah, Brisbane, part of that move was to offload some money to have a look to see if they could get him. They'll turn their attention elsewhere. As a result, South now will probably prioritise re-signing Braden Burns because they can get him for less money, but they're also going to obviously need somebody uh, depth-wise or for an opportunity to play that position. Also, with Gagai moving on, who was on about 700000 at South, that has now opened up a bit more of an opportunity for Demetrio, who worked with Milford, and they've been linked with Milford to potentially take an opportunity wow. there. So a lot of talk has been all the last few weeks and with Wayne Bennett's comments that Souths are the main contender looking at him for a cut-price deal. Uh, and apparently the Titans are still having a sneaky look, but I really think Souths are probably the favourite there in that situation. Uh, last yeah, I co- think so. Mm. Going go off that prior history, but yeah, I wouldn't mind if the Titans provided us the right money. Like, if you can move Taylor on at 1.2... Yeah, I, I don't mind it. Mm. The last couple here, Aaron Woods, uh, obviously there was lots of talk that he could potentially move before the finals, same deal, to a side like Manly or Parramatta looking to bolster. I don't really see in the Parramatta situation, besides Rarada near Corey getting hurt this year, where he fits in. I don't really think you'd call him an impact forward anymore compared to the leg speed and footwork that some of those guys have. Manly... Similar deal. Now that they've got some guys back on deck and the way their forward pack is, I don't know why they would need an Aaron Woods, but again, those rumblings, as you can always imagine, uh, plenty of talk that he might end up back at the Tigers next year, which, similar deal for them. I don't know if that's a pathway they need to head down, but uh, watch that space. That's interesting. Mm. And one of the last... He's probably just looking at what's, gonna, what's going to
3: equal a deal for next year, though, hey? You know, like, can I get out
2: this year to secure my future
1: for next year? Well, I guess also a Premiership opportunity. If, if one of those other clubs was willing to take him now, and the oh, Sharks, again, could, uh, you know, get a little bit of free money to front load, given the situation they're in, uh, they might have considered letting him go to one of those teams that are in the top eight. But uh, no home as of yet for next year. He doesn't want to go to the Super League. He's pushing to stay here, but... Uh, the last one I've got here, and probably one I'm very happy about, Melbourne have obviously lost Dal Finucane, but given that circumstance now uh, and the fact they've said multiple times that they're not going to let Brandon Smith go next year, they've now turned their attention to locking him in long-term as a lock-slash-hooker. So given the fact that Harry Grant has had the hamstring issues, Finucane's now off the books, um, and they're going to have some money there to push around. He's already on a pretty decent deal at Melbourne right now. The talk is he was already on close to 450, or so as is. So uh, with Dale Fanukin's money gone, uh, it's a real priority now for Melbourne to try and get Brandon Smith to sort of change his mind whether it is to play hooker at 80 minutes. And I think the other thing going in Melbourne's favour, no offence, is if it's teams like Brisbane, teams like, uh, the, you know, well, not so much, I guess, the Gold Coast, if they've got an interest, the Tigers, these are the sort of clubs that are throwing their hat in the ring. You get an 80-minute hooker, surely, if Melbourne gets somewhere near the money and he can kind of play between those two roles, you'd consider staying at the Storm. Definitely. Because part of it, I definitely think, is the fact he wants to be a hooker, which I can completely understand, but some of it, at the end of the day, is also money. Automatically, yeah. So if they get close to the mark and you're going to be playing between those spots, Grant's going to be playing Origin. you're going to have times where you're there, they might, you know, play dual sort of between their middle and nine, but yeah, I guess from their perspective the way the game's going, the impact he has in that position and Dale now being moved on, uh, it's a real priority for Melbourne to push to get him as well to stay beyond 2022. So, it's, I don't think it's something we're going to see in the next few months but next year when, or once he's off contract in November, I'm sure Melbourne will be back at the negotiating table pushing hard to make sure, uh, you know, they've got their hat in the ring and he doesn't just leave. Yeah, would agree, man.
2: Absolutely. that's going to be priority number one.
1: Mm. And, uh, that wraps up the player movement side and tackle six and the final one here I don't want to harp on about it we've done it a few times this year but the refereeing and the bunker I'm not going to do a Michael and go on a big 15 minute rant from the other night but I think we're all baffled again and we use this word all the time consistency we've gone from way too many six agains to virtually no six agains then we had the head high crackdown which was just such an overreaction and now we've gone the complete opposite end of the spectrum where Flegler KO's a bloke Cold, His head bounces off the floor. He gets 10. And then you send Thompson off yesterday for a late hit, which was dumb. But you're essentially saying they're the same thing by giving 10 minutes for that. And then we saw a penalty try last week where Braden Trinnell barely glanced for partner, who got back up. Yet Justin Olam from my own team, incidentally, like I don't think he was going for him, but he stuck an arm out. He smashed a guy straight in the face and Kyle felt. and Nothing was even said about it. No penalty. I don't even think he was put on report. Um, The bunker on Friday says nothing about Dylan Brown being offside you could argue he had no impact on the play but I thought he was damn close to it so it has to be taken into account and then in the Cowboys Melbourne game I thought they made two calls of no try which they didn't need to be involved with which seemed to be overcompensating from the decisions they made the night before so yeah I thought there were a few yesterday as well in
2: the in the Dogs game where they they just missed a few obvious ones but yeah, you know my concerns. I, I really dislike the six again. So I think they just get smashed early in the game and then later in the game they go away. Look, I, I have no dog in the fight, but I thought the Canberra Raiders just laid all over Parramatta on Thursday night in in, the, in terms of on the ruck. And it was a little bit of um, WrestleMania came back in. But and then you watch other games where it's a lot faster and there's a lot more fatigue involved. So... Uh, again, and then I said this last week, it's more the consistency from game to game that I'm struggling with. I don't have a problem with, you know, whatever the rules are that we decide on. I think it's just the interpretation of game to game. That's that's what concerns us as a fan.
1: Yeah, well, even like the bunker. The bunker... I, I agree with you. I think there are were, there were a lot there that you just go... Like, your job is to not get involved Well, Welch was through the sure. line Before the dummy half even got out And he had zero impact on the play. And then, I thought that one was ridiculous And then the other one with Drinkwater They're like, oh, he caught, like, in I'm like, same deal Like, I know it's, I thought they were both tries Like, fuck, he, he hasn't impacted anything He had nothing to do with the play. He's got the ball to the outside There's a kid on debut He scored, like, a take all that sentimental bullshit out I'm like, it's just Apply some common sense at times and and then on Friday, like we said, the brown one. You can make the argument he had no involvement, but I thought he was well inside the ten. He was standing well within where everything's gone down. Um, yeah, that was two
2: hours. The brown one, he's clearly offside. Like
1: the, you and, can
2: argue it whatever way you want. He's in, he's
1: in front of me. Yeah. The other one, like Yos one,
2: is it's send off. It's well. It, 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 was it was as bad as the Fui
1: one. I thought. Lukey Flush knocked him out. He doesn't come back on. And again, he get gets and comes back on. Oh, like it's ridiculous. You want to compare things, like Lukey the other week when a bloke got chopped, barely love tapped someone. Liam Knight decked did and nothing happens. Like it's that's the thing that kills everyone. But the six again's and the interpretation from game to game and the bunker involvement, that that's been a pet peeve all year and everyone just wants consistency. But the head high crackdown going from one way to the other and Volandis in the NRL pushing the legal bullshit and safety and little Johnny every single week to being completely silent now. In the last few weeks, like some of the things that were being given ten, aren't even being given penalties now. Like, for fuck's sake, just just apply things consistently for the whole year, so we know what yeah, we're getting. My reason at the time It's like, you're not, you've done it mid-season, and you've, you've I reckon they've looked at numbers. People must have been turning off, men Well, they've I'm sure
2: been. they are, but, but numbers that... must have gone down. And they've said to the refs like, I don't know if you are, in my head, I just don't know why we we bring in more rules, we bring in more interpretations, but more, 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 more. more. Get to do less. Get them to protect the integrity of the game. Look, what what illegalities or issues are there within the game that are causing the game to lose its integrity? Okay? Just to make sure it's fair for both teams. So is one team wrestling the fuck out of the other? Okay, yeah, they are. Well, you've got to get involved in that. Is there foul play? Yes, I've got to get involved with that. Otherwise, you should, provided it's, it goes for both teams, you should be just allowing the game to flow. That's how we get fatigued. That's how you get defensive breakdowns. That's how you get better play. And I want to see the players play, not the referees referee.
1: Well, again, I just that word we all bring up, but same deal. We talk about the changes, and we've said this a million times as well. Mid-season, don't fucking do it. If you, anything you're going to do, early in the off-season, early in the yeah. off-season, not last no. minute. Not a couple of weeks out from pre-season, not halfway so during pre-season. From grand final until the day when
2: clubs resume training. That's when you make all
1: your changes. Exactly. and you get into... the
2: committee should be meeting. But then from that day, no rules should
1: change. No. Nah. Within a calendar year or in mid-season, uh, we've seen it too much. But, yeah, in particular, we've had more tinkering. Well, it should just be 11 months. Like an 11-month cycle, okay, and then you have one month to
2: review, go over all of it, change it, make any adjustments you want, and then you
1: start again. Yeah, well, again, all I want is be one way or the other we went from the most ridiculous sin bins I've ever seen to now not even penalising half of them so yeah oh, I like that, that That was an obvious send off I thought the
2: Flegler one I, don't, I can't even believe we were debating like the commentators and then four or five minutes after it happened they're like well maybe it was
1: a send off well it doesn't matter
2: he hit him out cold
1: he it, hit him on the chin with it, a swinging arm it doesn't matter but, whether well, you don't think don't talk about intent that's one where intent doesn't matter no you hit him in the head plain he and simple the cold dunk the result of the tackle was a bloke went to sleep. So, yep. they lose a player, you lose a player. Correct. <laughs> but, again, to compare that, being to say, like, Lukey the other week, who barely loved tap someone, or they missed the night hit, which was black. Yeah, but, I, I don't like comparing. I just look well, at the one and go, that's a send-off. That's it. It's more just the consistency of it, though. If those other things are 10, that one's a send-off. If Corey yeah. Harrowere and Nara gets sent off for a bloke tripping into his fucking shoulder, well, that one's a send-off. Yeah. That's, yeah but consistency is all we want. Referee, bunker, head high, crackdown, whatever they're working on, just be consistent, please, because heading into the finals, you can't have such a difference game to game, weekend to weekend. It just needs to be consistent so we can at least get an idea of what's going on. Yeah, agree. But that's our set of six for this week. Moving into our power rankings brought to you by none other than the Penrith Solar Centre, the number one supplier of N phase. Technology, the award winner there. Congrats to Jake and the crew. I think we spoke about that last week, but they're doing a hell of a job. And don't be sidelined by rising power bills this season. Get on board with Penrith Solar Centre. They are dedicated to providing you with the highest quality solar solutions and experience. And when it comes to tackling your bills, they will get you over the trial line, saving you thousands per year in energy costs. Call them today on 1800 20 or visit www.penrithsolar.com.au. Number 1 Melbourne Storm Storm yeah Number 2 Pan- he's, Panthers he's Yeah Panthers Souths at 3 Yeah Eagles and out 4
2: Who've you got Manly?
0: Yep you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com/host.
1: Well, they've dusted. Yeah. They've already dusted Para and Para. Uh, obviously, <coughs> missing Moses. Again, yeah. Okay. yeah. They've got some players back. Um, they were a bit clunky on the weekend, but again. Yeah, I'm going to keep Beals at five and
2: Roosters at six And then if the Roosters
3: beat him, I'll bump him up next
1: week Well I've got the Roosters at six still And again given uh, their injury toll and their situation They're still doing a very good job Number seven I've got Canberra like I did last week Yeah at Canberra And now they've knocked off obviously a team in the eight They've now pulled themselves into a position Where they're only outside the eight on four and against So every result yeah. went their way on the weekend Except the Cronulla game If Cronulla would have lost, it would have been the perfect weekend for Canberra. Absolutely, yeah. Yep, same deal. And obviously, this weekend we find ourselves with a situation where they're now equal eighth with the Dragons and the Sharks with a record of eight and ten, and then just outside that, Newcastle. That loss hurt, but they're still seven and eleven. The Titans win brings them to seven and eleven, and then you've got the Tigers and Cowboys right on the fringe now on life support, six and twelve. the Tigers get the Warriors this week which is very winnable given their injury situation, the Cowboys get the Broncos who have been tougher the last few weeks and a Derby's never easy the Dragons, it's not getting any easier they get Souths who scored a 1000 on the weekend and the Raiders get an opportunity to bury a direct rival in that glut right now of teams playing Newcastle so we'll have to wait and see if Pierce is named uh, and what happens there but if the Raiders continue it's a great opportunity the Titans get the Bulldogs, very winnable to keep themselves pushing, and the Sharks play manly. So, uh, again, t- looking at some of those games, some things could work out nicely for the Raiders again if they can get a win. But all that is based on, obviously, doing exactly that and getting a W. But that's our Power Rankings brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Again, there is no one better. Give them a call today, 1,800, 20, or visit the website, www.penrithsolar.com.au reviewing the games from the weekend Raiders Eels Uh, I actually quite enjoyed this game just purely from a feeling side of things I think this game increased in physicality uh, and the challenge as as things went on I thought it was nice to see a contest, an absorbing game I get where you're coming from that it may have been a bit more wrestle and a bit slower than usual I don't know if I just got used to it because we watched that for, for so many years but I just genuinely thought these two wanted to get stuck into each other Probably to the detriment of Parramatta that they tried to play such a one-dimensional one-out game with Canberra, which has been, you know, sort of the direction that they've focused all their energy into having to reshuffle their spine and their injuries that they've had during the year. But for Canberra, it's that changing game plan and changing attitude. They've just simplified things, their power game for their forward pack, they've got push on their carries, their back three game is back to where it was before. Smith Shields, Valame both almost had 20 carries apiece. Rapana, real simple game out the backfield. They play off second threat phase through those guys and that forward pack, and they just played direct off it. And I think similar to the Manly game the other week, they just cycled, they kicked well, they front-loaded a lot of effort, played one-two defensively. They teed off on their forward pack, and they just slowly wore them down. And In the end, it, it came down to a last-ditch effort in the corner, which divided some people. I'm not going to get ridiculously heavy on that contest but for me like when someone's going in to score a try I still think you see it a lot of weekends now where people body check tuck the arm in and shoulder charge per se whatnot. Um, some argued he'd led with the knee or used his leg I, I sort of thought when the bloke in Sevo drops level it turns in a bit of a hip but um, yeah I'm, I'm not going to start a World War 3 over that one no I think it would have been an issue if he made contact with the head I i so sort of have an
2: issue with the fact he led with his knee and made contact with his knee but it's one of those situations in the game where a traditional tackle isn't effective like I guess it, it's that bump Well, you can't you make one shoot because you don't actually have to make contact, the objective is to knock him out of the field of play, not to actually make an effective tackle so yeah look I think if the knee or if you know I think he certainly tucked his shoulder you can, you can see that in his action, but none of it made contact with the head. I know Brad Arthur said, oh, you know, it busted his eye, Micah's eyes, but there was was no contact
1: with the head. That's because he face-planted.
2: Yeah, I I, I don't even think it was maybe
1: from that play. No, it wasn't wasn't a result of the knee or any part of the the body check. It was because he face-planted trying to score in the corner, which, again, there's no conventional tackle you can make. You can't wrap your arms or get a shoulder in half (laughs) decently when someone's going for the corner. And if there's one thing... Again, when we talk about all these things we've changed and rule changes and bits and pieces, if someone's going into school, you've got to just get over there and throw yourself at somebody. As long as, like, again, you don't want to hit someone in the head, you don't want to see someone get hurt, but when it comes to large dis-efforts, if you're going to take that opportunity away to try and save a try in rugby league, well, then what the fuck are we doing? Yeah.
3: Oh, in terms of the game, Paramount just frustrated me with the fact that it's kept playing
2: in campers' hands. They kept running to the middle of them. Everything you said was spot on. Canberra won play one, two. Their back through were excellent. They rolled through the middle and they just belted Parramatta on play one, two and just slowed them down. But Parramatta didn't move the ball at all in yardage, really. They didn't try anything different. Their kicking game was really impacted. They struggled to kick and cycle. Anytime the ball was in play, they'll go on set for set. Canberra winning that battle. And Canberra had the perfect game plan and Parramatta just didn't shift what they were trying to achieve. And as a result, it probably until the last ten, when they started to move the ball around a little bit, they started to offload. You know, they started to push up and
0: move and use some footwork and, and try and break Canberra down a little bit. They got some love, but it was it was all too late. It was a really
2: frustrating game to watch. I, I found, as I said, the wrestle, but Canberra again. Canberra had that tactic. It's up to the referees and up to Parramatta no to shift to adapt to those tactics, and they did it. I thought the referee allowed it which you know in some games that happens but also thought Parameter just played dumb
1: they played well, straight into the, into the hands of it the other thing is they had 60% of possession so no, Parramatta got no, no excuse
2: I'm not making an excuse for Parramatta I just thought it was frustrating to watch how I guess little they tried to shift their game plan and shift to try and I guess negate what Canberra were doing that, that's
1: what was frustrating me well, they had some you know, big efforts with some forwards, Paulo, Campbell-Gillard, and they embraced that contest. But again, it didn't play into their favour trying to go you know, battle head-to-head with Canberra. Like with Canberra, you've got to push to the edge of the rucks. You've got to try and get to that three-man. Don't play into the thick of a big forward pack and attack their edges when you can. But if you're just going to play one out direct off the ruck into their big middle, and the way they've refocused their game, obviously, with some of that trouble... And midseason drama and whatever issues they've had that looks like they've definitely sorted out. But um, off the back of their power game, their back three, good carries, direct, and then that spark they get when they push Hodgson out to be an extra ball player and get Starling just pushing off the back. The blueprint's pretty simple right now for Canberra. And if they keep going with this game, cycling, power game, breaking tackles, second phase, uh, and just kicking well, uh, you know, they're, they're a real good chance to pick up some wins on this back end run. But most importantly, the next two weeks against uh, their opponents in Newcastle and then the Dragons who are directly around them before they head into a tough run with Melbourne Manly. They finish off with the Warriors and then they've got the Roosters. So you think they're going to need minimum three of those and pending other results. But if there was a time to find a bit of spark and a little bit of a change in their style of play, it was now. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, Rapana was the best player on the field, he was absolutely outstanding. The back three, uh, including him, like we said, Valame, Smith, Shields, the Pines found form. Harawira and Ira had another blinder. Gula, etc. There's been a real bit of spark there. Hudson Young, who was out for a little bit, uh, they've all really piped up, and then the halves just doing a good job kicking and directing. And they lost Papali earlier, which is even better for their forward pack and the way they responded. So, uh, Eels, like I said, Papali, has been outstanding all year. Had some moments. Paulo, Madison, etc. I think there's a couple of guys there that had you know good games and embraced that challenge, but in terms of what they got out of their spine, uh, capitalising on extra possession, opportunities, control, you know, the, the biggest spark moment for them come from Ferguson, who come back in, brought strong yardage, that straight-up bust where he got through and put the kick for Brown. Really nice play, but yeah, with all the extra possession and opportunity, you, you need to bank points and you need to do more with the football and if you're getting meat-grinded in yardage, you need to play water. You need to take a risk, maybe play one, two, and have a two-pass and try and get to an edge and isolate someone to get a quick play of the ball and not just make it a big dick contest, which they seem to try to embrace that forward battle. Exactly right. Yeah, so no argument. Great result for the Raiders. Uh, but moving on from that one, Roosters, Newcastle. I think this one's pretty easy to sum up. It was a, it was another slow start from the Roosters. A couple of errors, a little bit clunky. Uh, They pull their middle apart there And Safidi crashes in They get a penalty goal They have a no try there When they're looking at Similar to the Cowboys game Almost being down 12-14 points But when the Roosters steady And just play through the middle They've got Radley and Tedesco Chipping in to help out Hutchison and Walker They move the football nicely They get to the edges Same deal They create opportunities To play to a long side Play a short side And in particular The difference between Having Radley there as a a running threat and then a link and then having James Tedesco just constantly around the ruck and the way he plays those short sides he really really excels at playing those short sides where he can either run or he hits short on their back rowers who just both were huge in this game Uh, second half they go in after getting two late tries complete almost 100% for the majority of the half and they just slowly pick Newcastle apart and Newcastle a bit like they've done prior. have shown some good patches throughout games or been able to hang in for 50, 60 minutes, but they can't put any minutes together. They didn't have enough resilience, and uh, at the end there, showed again, just control, taking shots, using the football. They they didn't do that. Clifford was hanging up some of those bombs that he does, which are absolute pearlers, but as far as command of their attack and crossline, they swapped him for Watson to try and get some spark. I, I thought the only real bright spark was Braley, who's been trying to get out a lot more the last few weeks to add something to their attack, but um, without Pierce there is the steering wheel, it's a real struggle.
2: Yeah, you summed it up well, the Roosters <clears throat> again they had to Newcastle sort of came out hard and got some early points and jumped them, but they just did well and I just know what they do well, the Roosters, they never really panic. They play through that middle third, they push through, they put they pass short. And yeah, Tedesco on particularly as you said on short sides was unreal, just his pass selection. That element of his game has developed so much. Um, yeah, they're just a good side to watch.
1: I I don't know if I'm going too far here, and again it could be like a rough comment, but I honestly think that they could have the best back row on the comp. Best back row? In between Crichton and Satilli, as far as like age right now, potential where they are. Like I thought Crichton, prior to his suspension, was close to the best back rail at the moment. And I think Satili's still underrated. I don't know how, but um, like last week I was only talking about how excited I was about the Manly combination and they're so young as well and they're going to have a lot of good years ahead, but I look at the Roosters when they're on and their two back rows, Their two back rails are outstanding. Yeah, it's hard to argue, man. And again, they will be Penner to. who blow up and say, well, we've got kick-out, Kate. Well, you do. You've got two great back rows. But I think uh, you want to talk about age, contract situation, where they are right now. They've got Crichton for one more year, but I think it's definitely one of the more talented back rows. And as far as age is concerned, like long-term, with Corden to go on now, I'm sure they'll get something done beyond next year with Crichton. Um, and Satili just keeps going from strength to strength. They're right up there with that young pair for Manly the Penrith back row like I said there's a lot of good back rows, but as far as a pairing is concerned I think they're definitely one of the better pairs um, in the competition that's for sure yeah I would certainly agree with that so yeah um, great performance all round in terms of what they put out there and again adjusting on the on the fly there Billy Smith just cruel with injury but you don't know the extent yet I haven't seen anything but hopefully it's not long term Morris will come back and for him Ikevalu, that looked horrible. Another sin is Moses, a lower leg injury. So there's essentially looks like he might be four, six weeks, possibly longer if he needs surgery. Um, they adjusted that, like we said, and high completions and discipline in the second half. Got Tedesco, Manu more involved, those edge players and their forward pack in general, the job they did. So good win. And probably another plus is another week with Verrills back. Hook has been a real 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 sore point as far as consistency and who they've had playing there I think the more games he gets under his belt that's only better for the Roosters
2: yeah exactly and that was sort of the point I was making last week like I think the more those guys can play together and the more games they get I think the more likely they are to go past or challenge Parra 100% this
1: week's going to be huge what a massive game we're going to get treated to this weekend it's going to be awesome and again, speaking the back row, that's a good matchup. You've got Papa there who's been playing outstanding. And you've obviously got Madison who, after the long run out with the head knot there, looks like he's finding his form. So I'm looking forward to watching those two go head to head. Obviously, with Crichton and Satilli, that'll be good. Yeah, it's has got an excellent man. Storm Cowboys, uh, full credit to the Cowboys. They were down 10 zip early. Melbourne looked like they could shift at will. Um, and if anything, looked like they were taking the piss in all honesty. that They'll kick it on play two and three. Way too sideways. Looked like they were just hoping it was going to be an easy night after they got those early points. But the Cowboys turned it on Melbourne. They they had them rattled. They kicked really well. Similar to what we're talking about, the Canberra thing, that they front-loaded their efforts on player one and two. They really got stuck into Hines in the back three. Any forward that had a carry tight to the ruck, there was guys shooting out of the line. They will laying in. They do doing their best to really, really put some pressure on. And at the end of the day, um, I think Melbourne... Only reason they won this game is because of Jerome Hughes and, and Brandon Smith. They were the differences. Um, a lot of people were rapping Olam. I thought he had as many bad plays as he did good plays, which he, he even the ledger, don't get me wrong, he had a fantastic game, but he had a, a couple of very poor errors. Um, but Jerome Hughes, there was a, a carry out of yardage when they were pinned one time that turned into a line break. A couple of the kicks he put in. There was obviously the one that Eremire was able to soccer at the end there where they were down to get that try for Remus and then you've got Brandon Smith Brandon Smith was just dynamic 100 140 metres I think from dummy half he had a couple of hits where he knocked the ball out and made a real difference and um, I think yeah Hughes in particular for me was the difference between Melbourne winning and losing that game yeah
2: that's a fair comment geez there was a
1: few hairy moments there for uh, the Storm wasn't there I don't know like Bellamy generally doesn't use much excuse but he was actually pretty not really surprised when I watched the press conference and brought up. We thought at some stage there'd be a toll from, you know, travel here, there, origin in Suncoast, back to Melbourne, to Newcastle, back to Melbourne, back up here, you know, thought it would bite them at some stage. And um, Obviously, they rested a couple of guys, but I, I thought a few of them really struggled. Like Nelson, if you look at his stat sheet, it says he's got 100-plus metres and nine tackle breaks. He was He was just gassed. He looked awful. He was on the ground constantly, had his hands on his hips. He looked just like he was battling to stay out there after five minutes. And even the second half when they rolled him out, he had his hands on his hips three or four minutes in. Uh, there was a couple of guys there that were really flat and pretty disappointing, but that they really tried to hurt themselves. Like I said, forcing plays, kicking early passing, bit of overconfidence. Uh, like you said looking for a bit of an easy night they haven't really been challenged in recent times like they broke their club record for all time wins they've won 15 games in a row which is incredible um, but yeah I thought the Cowboys certainly gave them all they could handle um, part of that you know people saying oh could it be because of the disrespect and the odds and this that and the other oh, I just think it's plain and simple their season was on the line it still is um, and they, they almost took a big scalp
2: yeah, would it yeah I, th- I think that was their season to be fair hmm and yeah you're right like, that was sort of their last punch wasn't it and geez Melbourne had to steady and be good late to to get the result because it was yeah it wasn't I don't think I was nervous about Melbourne at any stage but um, yeah it was it wasn't an easy night for them
1: no I think again probably summing up where they were at the trial where Hess scores on half time would have made Bellamy more angry than anything to um, to be honest I, I kind of thought he was held. That probably sounds biased for me, but he had a fair while to get that ball out. Uh, and then late when they got the eight-point lead, he would have been angry again that they conceded and had to defend right up until the death. But like I said, one of the better games I've seen from uh, a Cohen Hess, Gilbert, the young 20-year-old, I thought he ripped in Lukey off the bench. And, and Tor was very dangerous. So he was one of the guys I mentioned during the origin when we were talking about, you know, they were struggling for centers or wingers or... With some of the young guys they wheeled out, I I thought he was an option, but they didn't really look at him. So um, I'm pretty sure he qualifies two ways. I think he might qualify for New Zealand and Queensland. I I don't know which path he's taken, but I'm pretty sure he's listed on the QRO website as a Queenslander. Wow. Okay. But he had a very good game as well. Granville, flashback to his day where he played back-to-back Queensland Cup grand finals at fullback and won man of the match. He... He was solid under, you know, trying circumstances.
2: Yeah, well, that was... That one shocked me. Really shocked me.
1: I had to defend myself in our group chat when a few people weren't happy with me saying that he could play fullback, but I thought he did a good job, considering. He was all right. He may have not played it for 10 years, but, um, you know, if you've come through and you've played at that sort of level, won grand finals, a minute of matches there, you're certainly capable of playing the position.
2: Yeah, the situation just determined that that's where he had
1: to play, really. And I think Peyton summed it up well. They've got all their reps into the edges that they had, which they've changed a lot, and it wouldn't have been ideal to have removed someone from that position defensively and offensively and proved to be the right call. Yeah, exactly so, right. Um, what they do this weekend's a different question because obviously they have a whole week to prepare knowing um, that is obviously going to be missing. So whether they go that way again, I don't know I thought the biggest challenge For Granville um, Your hookers are generally Some of your more Fitter players In terms of their Cardio output But He's only been getting 15-20 minutes a week To suddenly being told You're going to play fullback Which is You know Probably the, yeah. the next Busiest position If not busier In some cases than the number nine um, I, I thought the biggest risk Was going to be Just the legs And all the repeat efforts Of being at one Yeah
2: great
1: okay. I thought he did a good job Man Yeah mm. uh, Moving on from that one, Melbourne got their eye. A lot of people were saying towards the Panthers. I don't think that's right. I just think big origin period, huge representation. They've had a couple of guys suspended, injured, like a Nelson who looked gassed. They've rolled some players in. They've rolled some players out. 14 games in a row. They haven't been really, really challenged. And I thought someone threw the kitchen sink at them, which is probably a good thing in the end. And um, The return of Pappenhausen, it was clunky. What do you expect? In terms of what they do next week, I'll be interested again. With our theory, do they stick with the hot hand in Hines or do they yeah. throw him back in there? Like For me, he, he looked well off the pace, and again, it was a hard game to come back into, but I, I'd be inclined to leave him at 14 and, and get a couple of runs under his belt first. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. So, leaving that one behind this next game, I don't think we need to talk about it all. 60 points to 22. Uh, 82 points in a game is ridiculous. Wayne Bennett, still unhappy, mainly with the fact that they conceded. Uh, the way they did, and it's the thing we've summed up multiple times about South Sydney. There's no question that they can attack. There's no doubt about that at all. But can they attack this way against a Penrith or a Storm, which in the two games they've played so far has been proven completely otherwise. They've been handled well in attack and they've had 50 points put on them, and defensively they showed zero resilience. So up against a a bottom three or four side that's injury-stricken and their season's basically done, Congratulations, it was an absolute bloodbath and it was a, a point it re, a point show and it's really proven when you've got four members of a Ford pack scoring like doubles for Tommy Burgess, Murray off that Latrelle pass, sewer getting a double, um, Colin Matungi getting a double. They like, had an absolute field day. But in all reality, what to take from that game and what we're taking from some of the beatings that have been put on bottom end sides – um, I think he pretty much summed it up. He was more disappointed that they leaked the points the way they did. Yeah, I think you can
3: understand
1: that. So for them right now, it's a similar deal to a Melbourne or a Penrith. They haven't had to play anyone recently. You're just waiting for them to have a matchup against a strong side. Yeah, exactly. And on the run home, um, they've got Parramatta, I think, in a couple of weeks. I'm pretty sure they play the Roosters maybe around 23. 24 Something like that So um, There will be A game or two Along the way they got the Panthers as well So we're going to get A real sample For a few of these sides um, Playing each other The next few weeks Before the finals kick off but, 100%
3: yeah, yeah
1: Yeah They were red hot They had 16 line breaks I'm not taking anything Away from them But We were talking in the last few weeks About the Warriors Predicament The injuries The situation Two years away from home um, The players they lost Last week Sheck Paris, etc. Egan coming into this week and how light on they are. Uh, man, there's still six six or so games to go and they're, 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 they look cooked. They look done.
2: That's
1: true. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. It could Just be. They sort are
2: of made their own, didn't I? And then injuries sort of dictated that they weren't going to be able to win games and make finals and then now it's like, well, we're away from home. We can't make finals. We've got injuries we're going to go into the majority of our games as underdogs like this yeah it's going to be a dark few
1: weeks here I think for the Warriors I I really I'm struggling to see the upside no I'm I'm with you and again like there's still a bit of a cloud in terms of what's going on with a couple of players as well they've obviously had a lot of mid-season movement and reshaping things for next year but um I think, yeah, they'll, they'll be able to take positives out of the season in terms of a couple of moves they've made, blooding Walsh and a couple of guys. But, yeah, at this point, with the constant changes, some of the injuries, you'd hope to see a bit of fight, but maybe the build-up now of almost two years of basically being gypsies and on the move and the injuries, uh, yeah, it could possibly be a rough run at the back end. They've got the Tigers this week, which is a winnable game, but... You'd think the yeah. Tigers, with their draw, their roster at the moment, their injury situation, would see this as an opportunity to get a win. And
2: well, yeah, and that's a must-win for them.
1: So, yeah, I think th- this will be the real test this week. It's a winnable game if they put their best foot forward, but how much have they got left in the tank if you're the Warriors? I, I don't know. But for South, all-around performance by the forwards, the halves, Walker and Reynolds, probably the biggest question out of this for them. Reynolds... Uh, is playing with a bit of a, a bung hemi. You've got Cody Walker who wanted to play him with his knee. I, I guess for them, same deal. Managing their workload, they're pretty much locked into the top four. Your, your best bet is to make sure those guys are ready to go for finals. Yeah,
2: that, that's right. It was, I guess there wasn't a lot to gain for them, but they got through it. Uh, yeah,
3: it, it, Wayne it was a little, He didn't give a lot in terms of whether those guys are injured
2: or not, but... Let's
1: hope not, because they're going, to, they're going to need them coming back into the year, that's for sure. Mm. Well, moving on from that one, Manly Tigers. Uh, this one was an interesting first half. I think Manly started fast and similar deal. Like, a lot of these teams probably thought it was going to be a little bit easier, but I think the Tigers showed the blueprint of what Canberra showed the other week. If you cycle with Manly and go set for set and sort of work on their forward pack and get some second phase, you can find a bit of love. They, they really, really like playing... Off the front foot, the Manly side, they've got oodles of attack. When you've got Trevojevic, the two back rows that we talked about, Harper's proven to be a threat. Uh, they're, they're getting better through the middle. That they, they really are dynamic when they get repeat sets, possessions, six agains, and they can sort of just snowball and get an avalanche of points. But if you can cycle with Manly, uh, there is an opportunity. So for a little period there, they cycled. Brooks and Dewey had a bit of a field day, got to play on the front foot, got some second phase and they found a couple of tries, but at the back end there conceding and then the second half it was just three or four sort of early where they punched the Tigers in the mouth off the back of, again, that possession. Cherry Evans seemed to have the hot hand. Tommy being back in uh, made a few errors, but still 300 plus metres and a huge involvement. Harper had a field day. Poor uh, Pauger in his second game, missed 11 tackles, so it wasn't wasn't the greatest of days for him, so um, not not the best performance by Manly but certainly well and truly enough to win that's for sure
2: absolutely yeah absolutely they um yeah did enough to win the Tigers like I don't know when reality's going to hit for them in terms of what, what's required to win those big games but they're just not they're just not there like whether they don't have the, the cattle I guess that's that's part of the issue but they just don't have—I don't know the right word. I don't know whether it's talent, but
3: just execution over long periods of time. They just don't seem to be able to do it.
2: Um, and it, particularly for eighty minutes, like they, there's times there where you think, you know, look, like they're really on the right uh, on the right path here, and then they just go into these periods where I think there was a period there where they had three or four sets on Manley's line. Didn't execute, and then they concede two trials in the back of it. Well, that's you just can't do that if you want to be a top eight team, and that's really where they are at the moment. You know, I guess their development to try to get there. Uh, yeah, they're going to have to go on a significant run now. I think for the Warriors and the Tigers, those two losses really hurt. Uh, I think it, it all but it all but ends on um, the Warriors and the, the Cowboys season. and it really puts the Tigers on last chance to win. So we're trying to... We're sort of working our way through,
1: I guess, tidying up who's, who's going to be able to make the eight. Mm. And again, with a loss, like we said, they could probably afford this one and their draw, which is yeah, something, that's right. something you can't rely on. But the fact they're two out of the eight, plus four and against, they essentially need to win both Bulldogs games, this Warriors game, and, you know, at least probably one other one. And again, they're relying on results, which is not the position you want to be in. No, absolutely not. But, yeah, if they won, I think, what would we say? They had Bulldogs twice. They've got the Warriors this week, which is obviously winnable. They've got the Sharks, who's someone who's directly in front. So, again, pending results and getting a win there. And then they've got Penrith. So, realistically, you'd think the best case they win four games. They get ten. Canberra, Dragons, Sharks already only need two of their last six as compared. Oh, I think it's, yeah, it's 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 a... The stretch too far probably now for the Tigers you'd think so wouldn't you but um, yeah just for Manly, I guess the one thing to take out of this origin period again Schuster's second game back some good moments still pushed a couple of passes the first time they had Tom Jake back on the field as well it was their closest they got to full strength a as well um, he might be having a stint out though because that tackle he made was just horrible yeah it wasn't Great. Like we we talk about cannonballing or attacking below the knees, that was just a blatant, you know, blatant shot below the leg. That was intentional. Um, and we talk about again things that they talk about sin bins or whatnot for. Like if you watch that on the replay, that that's the sort of thing that the sin bin should be used for. Yeah, agree. Hundred percent agree. And I think you're really now probably also going to see that the NRL will. um We'll sort of try and make
2: an example of that as, as well, I think, in terms of the suspension, and they'll use the injury as justification for that. So, yeah, it's a really, really hard one because uh, who, who what was the safe after the injured, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, he uh, who'd d- only just come back, so cut him in the leg below the knee when he was held up, like it wasn't even an effort to slide down because you know yourself when we teach that sort of tackle when they've got two and you hold up you, you start sort of at the hips and the ass and pull the legs together um and you try not to lose your legs you, you drive through so they lose their legs but he's dropped straight down below the knee and just literally cut him at the lower leg which is you're just asking for an injury ordinary man yeah, yeah it's really ordinary uh, not great for him either because he was great before he got injured we saw his last game I think which was the the massacre at Mudgee there he was huge and played through an injury and he's had a long stint out um and strengthens their bench, and first game back, he's potentially looking at a stint on the sideline. So, um, yeah, for Manly, see what happens in that regard. But, again, getting a couple of guys back w. closer to their full-strength team. Um, they'll work through things, and they play the Sharks this week. So, interesting to see. Panthers-Broncos, this was a red-hot effort, again, by Brisbane, but, unfortunately, too little, too late. You could see quite clearly for Penrith. The the toll of origin, you can see the difference of a side without Nathan Cleary, Aposai Corosio in particular. We talked about it a couple of years ago. The difference when you have a nine that you have to be accountable for when they had Maloney and Cleary and when you don't. You can pressure so much more from the middle. You can jump out hard at A, at marker, that they really weren't compensating for Mitch Kenny because they didn't have to. And it applied a lot more pressure to their halves. It applied a lot more pressure to their fullback. They didn't move. As freely up the field and, and yardage as they did, and, um, you know, first half they obviously struggled to break the wall with Brisbane. So the, the big upside, I guess, for Brisbane was that defensive resilience. But the downside again is when they did concede, they conceded three tries and in, in ten minutes, and uh, it kind of looked like it was going to be the same old story where they get blown away in the back end. But they found some points, they they fought back, the Bullamore won. Was a poor miss, but he's made a little bit of a habit of that so far, showing some raw power and some, some good footwork. And, uh, you know, Kobe Hetherington's one, not, not ideal again if you're Ivan Cleary defensively. And the fact they missed 66 tackles, their worst effort of the year. But Brody Croft, if he had his time again, he wouldn't pass that ball. He looked like he was in. Yeah. Well, I think it was
2: 18 0 at one stage, wasn't it? 4 0 at half time. And, yeah. And then they sort of, yeah, they came to get him late. The old Broncos, but yeah, it was just never a game that was really in doubt. I think the Isaiah Yeo injury that probably brought Brisbane right back into contention. But um, yeah, I never, I never really felt like Brisbane were going to win the game. I'm not sure how you felt, but yeah, it was, it was a bit of a fizzler. I think Penrith were well below their best, and Brisbane. Were competitive without really realistically threatening, I thought that was probably my take on the game. But Penrith, you know, they, they had no clearing, no happy, no yo for a significant part of the game, so that's that's the reason why they're you know they, they really really struggled. I, know, I heard some um, commentary around, I guess, why they why they struggled and uh, they were off. I think it was much about, uh, they, they might have
1: been a little bit off as to you know, the players that got failed. And I that think, was, that's just I again, uh, commentating journalism, I think at times, just a bit overreactive. Like it's it's one average performance for a team that's still equal first in the competition, despite a heavy representation. Like You're not going to be on every week. Right? Like we said, the bigger question mark here is you see the difference between having your spine there and that direction. And obviously, again, defensively, they've been so, so good. But to miss 66 tackles and you can see two pretty soft ones at the back end is disappointing. But you're going to have a couple of flat weeks. If you're going to have them, you want to have them now. And even this week against Melbourne, like Fox are drumming up these promos like it's the clash of the Titans, knowing that Coruscant's out, knowing Fisher Harris's headed back. To Penrith I think it's pretty much been said That Nath's not going to play And if I'm Penrith I'm not playing silly buggers On that anyway With those guys missing I wouldn't play Nathan no, There's um, a bigger,
3: bigger
1: picture coming up 100% it? Your whole goal here Is finals So If You're missing those two already It's,
2: it's grand finals
1: Yeah exactly But you want those guys healthy You're not going to roll Nathan out Missing those other two If he's 80% Or 90% Like You want him As close to 100% Before you let him get back to the field so, unfortunately, uh, we're really looking forward to this game. Me in particular, I was really looking forward to it. I don't think it will be quite what we expected, but this is what happens around this time of year. After Origin, you've got injuries. Um, the bubble situation obviously contributes to it as well. Like we're talking about Fish leaving to come back for his wife's baby. Um, so, not ideal. Would have been an absolute cracker, and hopefully it still is. I'm sure there'll still be plenty of feeling, but yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd rather see these two tackle each other at full strength
2: these are the cards we're
1: dealt man yeah.
2: I, um, I'm still really looking forward to it it'll be, it'll be good
1: but finishing off on this game like you said you see the difference between missing key spine players and then Yo another key factor in their attack um, still yeah, had some yo, he's like a spine for them. yeah still had particularly some particularly when clear out. out still had some big performances Tile again ridiculous 250 metres the amount of carries and the fact that he drinks basically an energy drink I don't know how the bastard doesn't cramp that's out of control uh, to keep himself going Kick out had one of his better nights I thought he was really involved which is good to see sometimes you know you can kind of drift out of the action but he found the football and tried to be a real threat uh, Fish again put a lot of effort in close to 200 he obviously had that poor miss for the try but all around defensively they were quite poor like you wouldn't associate Penrith with missing 66 tackles um, so that that in itself yeah. is pretty disappointing and Edwards, why I said again, I've got criticism of his attack, what he can bring to the shifts, his ball playing, and overall, you can't question his effort um, in terms of kick coverage, what he does in yardage, just being around the ball. That field goal was an absolute corker as well. well it was a belter, wasn't it? Forty out. Yeah. Mm. And Brisbane, no surprise, Haas head and shoulders the best player by country mile. Um, huge game by him, I, I think. Tessie as well you see some quality and I think people forget he's only 19 years old so him getting some time at one I think it's probably been better for Azaka to be back on the wing yardage wise as well he's played some better games there still got an error or two in him but uh, I definitely think in terms of who's a one who's a winger um, Azaka is definitely better on the wing than he is at fullback yeah exactly yeah. he's similar to some of those players that have moved into one
3: and then sort of make that shift to the wing and it's they really need to um, I like guess just accept the fact that they're going to be wingers
2: long term I think that's his best position particularly in, you know the next couple of years for the
1: Broncos mm. I think for his just general career like look, look-, look
2: at what thunder done to like I know Dallin moved to Canterbury thinking well I'm going to play one I'm going to play one Maybe he's been to pull it now I'm going well no I'm um, wing and I'm yeah he can be a an international winger rather than, you know, trying to fight
1: for a spot at fullback in the NRL. I think just the pressure of that spot too. Much like Dallin, he's got a better passing game, but it's not the best part of his game. Uh, The best part of his game is running. So from the wing, obviously not as much free space, but strong yardage carry, good feet, and he's another one of these prototypical players we talked about who came through the juniors. He was a junior Kiwi, number six. He was at Cronulla playing under-20s as a number six. But again, when you watch those lower grades at those, they were number six, but he wasn't a creative player. He was a strong ball runner. He was a big body. Um, Q Cup, the one you there, he scored a bag of points at one. Most of it was off the back of his running, not so much ball playing. And after a few a few years of persisting there, it's not the best part of his game. He's not going to be a dynamic ball-playing fullback, sweeping both sides of the field, Summing up three-on-twos, two-on-ones, etc. His best role is his carry, his footwork, and his goal-kicking. So a goal-kicking winger is probably his best bet. Yeah, 100%. Uh, moving on from that the two games on Sunday uh, the Titans absolutely dusted the Dragons 32 to 10 again the up and down of uh, following the Titans from your behalf this is more what you want to see a dominant sort of performance going on with the job pushing through the middle there was a couple of you know exchanges of short passing they, they were full of running and energy and why I thought you know the spine was still a little bit disjointed at times more importantly uh Some individuals just come up with some freak efforts and we talked about Fafita the other week and a couple of people, I saw some comments again yesterday about him and this is why he's getting paid the big dollars. But I go back to what I said before. That, what we saw yesterday, is what we need to see in the coming weeks in these important games to make the eight. That's what we need to see. We don't need to see it against an understrength Dragons or beating up on Brisbane or when he scored his hat-trick and teams outside the eight. Like, it's all good to have 13, 14 tries and be the most dynamic player in the competition, but we need to see that in the top-end games. We need to see that in the difficult games. We need to see him doing what he did. Don't just park yourself on an edge. Swap edges. Attack both halves. Come in and help out in yardage. Like Just be what you are supposed to be because the frustration, it's not the price tag. The frustration is the talent. and Not using that talent. He's way too good a rugby league player. To just sit on an edge and go, oh well, if the ball's not coming to me, or if we're not in the game, I'm just not going to find the game. He has to find the game. I agree. Absolutely no argument out of me. Um, what were your I was thoughts good to watch yesterday? In the, they started the game poorly. I think Ash Taylor put the ball dead twice in their first
3: two good ball sets, and passing wasn't great. I think they just they looked a lot better when they started to just play straight and direct and. Sort of trying to play through the dragons, I guess.
2: Um, yeah, it was good. It's good footy, and let's just see if we can maintain it now. Moving forward and against, um, you know, who do we run into this week? Is it the Warriors this week?
1: No, you play the Bulldogs. So, like I said, it's, it's another must-win. Yeah. And I think, think it's the Warriors, maybe the week after that. So, put themselves right into the mix. Yeah. Well, gonna be it's gonna be really, really
2: interesting to see. I guess now you'd really you're probably thinking it's gonna be a battle, two spots for four teams if you want to keep the Dragons in that in that argument. I mean they've really killed themselves over the last two weeks having those guys out but yeah, it's, it's a good little battle and I guess the Titans have put themselves there. They probably they need to win their next two and I think the the Raiders are probably in that boat as well. Like the next two weeks are vitally important. Um, because I think Cronulla have got Manly They've got a couple of You know 50-50 games coming up as well So mm. Yeah look I don't
1: think I don't necessarily think the Titans deserve to be In the 8 but you know Neither do a lot of other sides that are there in contention either So they put themselves in contention and We'll just we'll see what plays out over the next few weeks Well there's a stat I saw earlier today Which sums up what we've been talking about all year About the top 5 or 6 compared to the rest That the top 6 teams have only lost a combined twenty five or twenty six games, and the rest had lost a hundred plus. There you go. So it's like between, you know, ten teams versus six. They've lost four or five times as many games. Yeah. As compared to the top six, uh, um, and then the fact that we're looking at seventh and eighth and saying that they're you know got a negative record still, and the way things are going, could end up both those spots having teams with a negative record going to the finals, or not even a fifty fifty. Yeah. which would be completely unheard of. Um, usually it's at least 12 and 12 or getting in with a draw or something on top, but the potential this year to have 7th and 8th, both have losing records, is just crazy. 100%. Yeah, two.
2: Sometimes every now and then you might get a 12 and 12 or a, an 11 and 13, scrape into 8th, but yeah, we're going to probably get
1: two teams with a losing record, which mm. should be unheard of, man. Great debut for Toby Sexton. Was impressed. Again, I know they weren't jointed, exactly as far as the spine is concerned but you couldn't have asked for anything more he jumped in front, he tried to run the ball plenty he pushed up on everything a couple of nice kicks from the sideline and I think best of all, just push and the fact that he's pushing is the reason he got his debut try from that Wallace ball getting knocked backwards because if you don't put yourself in those positions as a half and that's like just part of the basics of what your job is um, you're not going to find those chances so uh, I don't think he could have ticked any more boxes in his debut no, he was good. He was really solid. As you said, kicked well,
2: pushed up. I thought he got a couple of shit passes from mid and got duped a few times just with uh, guys not helping him out. But,
1: yeah, for a guy that's come in, first game, it was a, it was a huge game for the Titans. Like, lose that, it's probably season gone. Mm, well, good would have been on uh, yeah, six. For him to just to live just to play really simple
2: and do those little cool things that he needed to do was um,
3: impressive.
1: Yep, and Brimson, 240 plus, plenty of carries and busy. Uh, Thompson, Mazu, all those guys did their job, and obviously the forward pack as a whole, Moiaki as always. The feeder obviously made a huge impact, and um, Wallace scored a rare double, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, but again, just pushing up, doing the right things, plain simple.
1: Yep. Uh, Dragons. Uh, yeah, it
2: was good. good. Good result. Dragons were
1: awful. Yeah, they, yeah. they really didn't help themselves they struggled in the forward pack department they had some contributions from the back end like fair night 200 plus meters Pereira was right up there there was a couple of guys there that uh, definitely worked hard but at the end of the day there was also lots of errors out of the back end there between Dufty Pereira Beal you get Ramsey I think they made 10 errors as a back five Sullivan was obviously attacked plenty defensively as we expected and th- those new edge combinations always make it hard um you know when you change completely your edges defensively but um, Gold Coast capitalised they did yeah didn't uh, have to get the job done no, and, and the last one here is the Bulldogs up against the Sharks and i I'd hate to say it but I messaged you twice yesterday Luke Thompson absolute beast but his one moment of stupidity essentially took them out of range of winning this game
3: yeah hurt him
1: that Sinbin was just absolutely a dagger in the heart he scored an awesome try Um, dynamic, the power he's got he's got that like action man swivel hips like Watmau used to have where he bounces out and he's got great acceleration he maintains momentum he scores and then gets put in the bin and just bang bang bang, they cop three quick ones, they go in at half time down 30 to 6 and despite the fight back, you're just sitting there going well, you know this is five scores they've got to come up with it's going to take just one mistake for Cronulla to get any sort of opportunity and they're always going to find something else and um again he had another huge play where he got through and offloaded for one of the tries but th- that that moment in itself despite his outstanding performance really really set him back
2: yeah it did. you're right um particularly that also that period where they just leaked to stack of points but to score as many as they did like you you think man we're gonna we need to be winning more in our games scoring that many points that so defensively they just leak and there were a couple of soft tries there there was one where um, I think Napa and Biondi got um, Rudolph scored at a critical stage and you could just see the reaction from Josh Jackson just
3: you know when those critical moments hit they've got to do a better job defending their line and they just did
2: it far too often for too long yesterday the the dog used to win the game but um, Cronulla were sort of they, they weren't convincing but they were They were really, really good for periods, but then pretty ordinary in some periods as well. So, but I think you're right that the moments that really counted, the Bulldogs found a way to come up with a negative play, and Cronulla just did enough to um, not not put them to the sword. Because I didn't, I thought they probably only put them to the sword for that one period where uh, Thompson was in the bin, and they, I think they scored three tries during that period. But otherwise, the Bulldogs just found a way to hang around, didn't they? Um, it wasn't until
3: late That you sort
1: of Right okay The, the shark is at home Dogs are definitely Improving I think Yeah 100% And I think Probably We've said it a million times before Biggest thing for them Is just Getting enough out of your Forward pack and your rotation Like Thompson Is a one man wrecking crew In terms of Quick play the balls Offload Impact And bending the line But like NARPA is just completely Non-existent these days Like Arva has a crack But you're talking about A 30 year old guy there who's a bit of a journeyman. Jackson works hard, in particular defensively, but they just lack dynamic, powerful forwards with leg speed or anyone to get on the back of of a Luke Thompson. And, you know, Marshall King does a solid job. You've got effort from your your backs. Like, Meany was good, had some moments there. Shot for a young kid, the way he's playing and the efforts and yardage. Like, he's carrying strong. But overall, uh, you know, when you don't have as much talent across the park, those mistakes, like we said, in particular that Sinbin... It's enough to just bury you. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you, you look ahead. Like, again, we're talking about what I talked about before. They signed Pungai Jr. I, I don't understand the value of the contract or how, you know, he demands that money. I get that the two biggest offers were from two of the worst teams in the comp, in the Bulldogs and the Tigers, so they can negotiate for that money. But the fact of what he's delivered in his six or seven years as a first grader that he can demand six fifty seven hundred thousand, 700000 just blows my mind. But... If you've got Thompson with Pungaway, again, questionably at his best, and a Vaughan potentially at a cut-price deal, if they do get that deal done, to get on the back of that and have more than one guy that can bend the line or generate a quick play the ball, um, you get Faitala Mariner back on an edge there, and you've got Jackson, say, playing at a lock position, so he doesn't have as much toll on him. Um, Burton playing in the halves, you got Kotrick back with his yardage carry, Fox with a bit more speed. I, I can see some positives there if they can get some of this over the line. But, yeah, for now, it's the same old thing. They're definitely, uh, you know, a, a very undermanned NRL side as far as talent is concerned at this moment. And those small moments hurt them more than most. And that, that Sinbin, despite him being the best player on the field by a mile, was the big moment in the game. Yeah, I agree. Um, and for the, the Sharks, it's the same thing, Same most weeks. Like they can be so dynamic in attack. I think their long side shifts and their link play is some of the best you'll see when they go from edge to edge and play a long side. It's beautiful to watch Kennedy getting to some things up the way the halves are playing. Trindle's growing in confidence. Tracy, when he got his opportunity, I thought he looked good once Johnson went off, which obviously hurt them. But as far as defensive resilience, missed tackles, their first up contact, their wrestle, their resilience, like they're absolute paper tissue on that regard, the Sharks, they're, they're the complete opposite of the Shane Flanagan Sharks and the, where they were five or six years ago where they just played the complete opposite. They couldn't score. They'd grind you into the dirt. They'd drag you down for 80 minutes. Now they can light you up in patches with their shift plays and their finishing ability, but defensive resilience and their defense in general, whether it be middle, edges, ruck, goal line, like they're absolute paper thin. And I have no doubt in my mind that Fitzgibbon, being defensively minded in particular, is going to really address that when he comes in.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, that's going to be the, the goal for him. Just a little bit of breaking news. Roger sheck has been
3: granted an immediate release to return to New Zealand before the travel
2: bubble closes. So he's played his last game with the NRL.
1: Wow. And yeah, there you go. Like that situation, the way that changed and what he's done for that club, I completely respect their decision. Um, he was moving on. He was still playing his absolute ass out. You get knocked out like he did last week. They don't get the homecoming game, so they don't get to farewell him uh, over there. And their season's essentially done. He, he couldn't have done any more for them. So if The situation is that he's going to get stuck uh, and potentially not been able to go home. And he's moving on next year. I, I think it's the right thing to do by the Warriors. Yeah, so do I. So, and I, I said a couple of years ago when he went there that I, at the time, just thought he was just next worldly, and we probably didn't get to see it in that environment but one thing that can never be questioned is his effort week to week and his output in games like Roger Tuivasa-Sheck, gave absolutely every bit of himself every single time he went on a rugby league field yeah he's done uh, an
3: absolute stack for the game both here and
1: in, in New Zealand mm, and good on him for taking that challenge on because I said at the time rightly or wrongly and some people might have been a little bit offended that to me it was a potential to waste his career which sounds harsh to say but given the track record of guys going home, the consistency of the Warriors and the trajectory I thought he was on, at the time I just did not think it was the move to make. Um, you know, he, he, like I said, his performance, his efforts, he won a Dalian medal, he absolutely busted his ass. but like I said, I, on, on all other fronts, he couldn't speak higher, of, high enough of what he's done. He never dropped his standard regardless of where they were on the ladder. I agree with that, mate. So. There you go, that's the review of the games from the weekend Set of six, all the talking points um, A lot going on And I, I guess we've got tonight, all of tomorrow And probably a little bit of Wednesday Before we come back and do a preview again And talk about some bets We had a couple of winners on the weekend Yeah, yeah, no, we're, we're
2: going all right with that, with that betting
1: I was dirty with a couple of the try scorers Yeah, just what that they didn't get across. Oh mate, that that much happened around Olaka R two, and he got stopped about four times on the line. I was like, "Fuck, just get in." Yeah. He was killing me. But Murray got one. That was a gift off Latrell Satili. I was really confident about. He obviously crashed in a couple of times. He had a good game. Uh, Nelson was a complete flop. He he was he was gassed. Uh, yeah, he was I absolutely talked about Penrith, the right side back rower or centre. I wasn't sure if it was going to be Burton or Crichton. Um, obviously, it ended up being Crichton. He crossed, and I don't remember. I thought Kelly was a good chance. They ended up switching their halves, so Kelly probably didn't get as much opportunity as I thought he would. Ueli didn't get in, but Thompson got in. The big bugger. Uh, I think maybe three or four of the try scorers, so less than fifty percent. Yeah, I think I'd, I had a pretty good bet with. A uh, pretty good week with my bets. So, mm. a couple of ones where I said
2: go over, like go uh, pick your own total and go over seventy points. Like there are a lot of games that went over, like 60-70 points. Mm. So, it just depends. Like, and then you look at like Thursday night. It was such a dower game. The Penrith Brisbane game, such a dour game. Low scoring, and then you get others that have you know 70-80 points are almost scored. Oh, the South one when I saw one it one just I saw was... goes back to that argument about the interpretation of the way the games are refereed and then played as a result.
1: Yeah Well I guarantee you If you said to anyone that Sears won by 60 And there was 11 tries That a lot of people would have thought Well the back line would have got a field day But in turn the forwards scored 6 or 7 of them Well that was a game that I said 70 points I think Warriors will score 3 tries And I sort of thought Sears had hit, hit 50 or 40 on so. mm. Massive score Got, got some good, got some good uh, value for that as well I think and, yeah, Melbourne didn't exactly light up the way I thought they would. We, th- we thought Canberra would be competitive, but Parramatta probably get the job done. That didn't happen. Uh, yeah, there was, there was a couple there that were probably not as expected. but no, the- you're not going to though. No, no, we'll, do, do your best. No, I thought it
2: was pretty
3: good.
1: But we'll be back again on Wednesday, and we'll, we'll do the same thing again. Thanks to bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet, there's no one better to bet with then the true blue Aussie bookie bluebet.com.au download the app today and have a crack they're outstanding and unfortunately the dry run continues no other car too so the charity account another loss yeah well I'll try and get us a win this weekend um, Josh Hannay's just been appointed as um, Craig Fitzgibbon's assistant next year so he'll be hanging around as well heard some talk about that 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 was almost a guarantee so clearly in the process of working In with him, why he hasn't been at the club? He's been impressed. So, and good to see John Morris get a job as well. John Morris was signed up with uh, Jason Demetrio and Ben Hornby to join South Sydney next year. So, I think that's a great next move for him in terms of uh, getting another gig. Yeah, it's good. So there you go. That finishes up for now. Uh, We'll be back Wednesday, hopefully sometime in the morning, a little bit earlier. Hopefully, get it out by. Lunchtime if we can Have a bit of a look At the preview again And try and find uh, Some winners for all of us While we're in lockdown Going a bit stir crazy So we can have a punt With bluebet.com And hopefully Stick some cash In our pockets There you go Yeah There you go For now everyone We'll uh, talk to you Wednesday Boxhead Stay safe Stay sane Don't talk to the walls. And uh, everybody out there Same deal Like we say every single time Stay active Talk to your friends and family Try and keep yourself busy And uh, we'll talk to you Wednesday
3: Bring it on. Give
2: us more. Give us more. Where are you going? What's going on here? Is that it? Is that it?